Welcome, thanks for joining us. You're about to hear a message from our Wednesday night Solid Rock Youth Group service. Solid Rock is a ministry of Living Word Family Church, and if you'd like to know more, check us out on our website at www.livingwordfamily.org. Jeremiah 29. We're not going to go through the entire chapter, but a, but a decent little chunk of it here. Now we talked about, you know, why, you know, why would something, like why would something bad happen to one of God's kids, you know? Like take my wife, for example. Take Ashley's, what's going on with her, okay? I know, I know that God didn't cause that aneurysm to rupture, to even form in the first place, right? This was a plan and a device of the enemy. Plain and simple, matter of fact. And yet when it happened, God had a plan. God was ready, obviously, because he saw it coming. You can also then ask the question, well, then why didn't he stop it? Again, God's ways are higher than our ways. There is something he's doing through this. God could have, could have allowed this to happen just to show me and Ashley a deeper faith. I don't know. I really don't. It has tested, and I wouldn't say tested my faith, but it's definitely like um, galvanized my faith. It has definitely stretched my faith. Not that I ever like, you know, never shook my fist at God. Nothing like that because I know like we are in a good church that we have been, Pastor Scott, his amazing teacher. Like we know that God's not behind this, but he's with us through this. Does that make sense? So we can ask questions all day long. Why did this happen? Why isn't this, why isn't she, why aren't we seeing, seeing the, the fruits of that healing promise quicker? Why, 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 why? You can, you can just kill yourself with whys. Her dad, and you guys, most of you guys know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Her dad was the first, essentially the first responder. He gave his own daughter CPR before the paramedics got there. That would wreck me. Like, I have no idea. You know, so he asked himself, what if I had done this? What if I had done that? What if we had done this? What if we had done that? Like, you can ask yourself that all day until you drive yourself insane. We can't do that. We know what we know in God's Word, which is another reason why it's so important to be in God's Word and to know God's Word, to know His promises for you, to know His character and who He is as our Heavenly Father. It is crucial because in moments like these in life, whatever it may be, it may be a serious illness in your family, it may be a failing grade, it could be something as simple as that. Whatever it is, in these moments, you've got to know what God's Word says, okay? You've got to know who God is and He's got to be real to you. Does that make sense? We can know a lot about God, but if God's not real to you, if you are not a true follower of Jesus Christ, if you are not sold out for Him, knowing a lot of information isn't going to save you, okay? It's not going to get you through these tough times that, that are coming in life, and they happen for everybody. Because even before this, you know, we've had some bumps in the road with our family or with life or finances or just whatever, you know. So this is, happens to be the biggest one we've ever had to face. But things come. Things come your way. Jesus said that in this life you will have trials. In this world, you will have trials. There will be tribulation. But fear not, I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome any trial that we could possibly go through. So I want to read in you Jeremiah 29. And the significance of this chapter is this. So God's people, the Israelites, were taken captive. Do you guys know why? One of the primary reasons they were taken captive? Who can tell me? Who what Bible scholars out there can tell me? In Jeremiah 29... Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because he had to prophesy a whole lot of bad stuff that was coming down the pike towards the, the Israelites if they didn't change their ways. And what was one of the particular things? What was one of the particular things? Anybody know? Starts with an I. Idols. Idolatry. Idol worship. 
they had turned away from God in a pretty big way. And so as a result, the entire nation of Israel was punished. There was bad things coming, and God warned them like, oh my gosh, for so long God warned them. In fact, as they were forming the nation, as God formed them as a nation, as a people, and took them into the promised land, there was an entire speech that was given, and that warning was in there. Like it was saying that, here's what's going to happen. You're going to come into this great land, and it's going to be blessed, and it's going to be flowing with all this good stuff. But be careful, because you can get lazy, and if you turn away from me, all that's going to be taken away from you. So what is this saying? God's not saying, I'm going to take it away from you. God's saying that because you're not obeying me, because you're not seeking after me, that blessing will be lifted, you know. So there's all, this, there, there's all these things to take into account. So Jeremiah 29, we've seen that the Israelites have been taken captive, okay. And so Jeremiah writes this letter from God to the Israelites, okay. And we're going to break this down just a little bit, um, just a little bit here, and I want to talk about it. So the Israelites were captive. These are God's people. They feel like they have a special place in the world because they belong to God, even though they had turned away from him uh, and, and in most respects and, and worshipped idols. They kept some of the Mosaic law. They kept doing the sacrifices and all this stuff, but it, did, it was essentially meaningless because their hearts didn't belong to God anymore. They had turned away from him. So they're in captivity, and this is what, uh, this is, so Jeremiah writes, and ch- starting in verse 4, and we're just going to kind of go little by little. So Jeremy, you don't have to put it all up there, buddy, if you don't want to, because I don't want you to have to try to keep up. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food that they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away and work for those Work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you to exile. Pray for the Lord, pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. What is God saying here in this passage? God's saying, okay, now that this has happened to you, now that this has happened to you, everything that I've warned you about for generations has happened. You're here, you're in exile, you're in a foreign country, basically prisoners. They were put to work. I mean, all kinds of, you know, God, what did God tell them? You're going to be there for a little while. Why? Because God's timing is not our timing, okay? Eventually, they would repent. They would come back to God, and the idol worship that was such a huge plague on the people would eventually be done away with, okay? There would be other issues they would have to contend with, as we see when Jesus comes on the scene. You know, Israel still wasn't sold out for God. They were very legalistic and ritualistic, but the idol worship... This essentially expunged that. So what do we see here? We see something that has happened to them. God warned them for generations about. They didn't really heed that warning. This, this happens to them. And God says, here's what I want you to do. You're going to be there for a little while. So what I want you to do, I want you to survive and thrive. Survive and thrive. So what does that tell me? That tells me that even in low points, even when we're going through something really bad in our lives. What does God say? I've got it. Survive and thrive. I will bring you through. Survive and thrive. What does he tell them to do? Get married. Have kids. Marry off your kids. You know what I mean? Like, just live life. Pray for the city that you're in. So if you're in a rough spot in your life, let's say you've got a real nasty teacher this year, and you're like, why am I even, this is terrible. This person's given me tons of homework. They've been, I feel like they're kind of not treating me right. 
Uh, they're not being respectful to me. Survive and thrive. What does God tell you to do? God says pray for that person. While you're in that situation, while you're in that low point, pray for that situation. Pray for those people that are, that are misusing, that are abusing you, whatever the case is. That teacher that you don't think is being very fair, pray for that teacher. Pray for other students in your class. Okay? When you're at this low point, God says survive and thrive. This is what the Lord of Heaven, starting uh, picking back up in verse 8. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. So they had some people in their midst that were trying to paint a rosy picture. Oh, we're getting out of here next year. Or we're getting out of here next week or whatever. They're, they were just making this stuff up. They just wanted to tell people what they wanted to hear just so they could keep, you know, pop to be popular, whatever the case is. You know, there's always those people that like to just tell people what they want to hear, right? So that's what, that's what these people were doing, these false prophets um, and fortune tellers, he says, uh, are just telling, they're just telling them what their itching ears want to hear. And God says, don't listen to them because here's the real deal. Here's what's going to happen. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but, but, I love that. You gotta love it when you see a button in the Bible because there means there's something else coming here. Now, you're gonna be there for 70 years. So what's he saying? You're gonna be in this low spot for a little while. Okay, I am showing you something. I am allowing you to be there for a little while in this rough spot because there's something I need to show you. Essentially, this sounds really bad, but this is a massive butt whooping on his kids. I am training the idol worship out of you. That's essentially what we're seeing here. 70 years to do it. But, it, but because, you know, I spank a child, you know, if I have to discipline my child, I discipline them a couple of times and then they begin to get the hint, right? When you are disciplining a nation, it's not one spanking. It's like, you see, I'm, I'm being, <laughs> I'm just, I'm using that as an example. But do you see where that, you see where I'm coming from? An entire nation can't be steered overnight. It takes time to work out the sin from the nation of Israel, Okay. So God says, you're going to be there for a little bit, but survive and thrive. And here's what I have for you. But then I will come and do for you all the good things that I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans. Now, this is the part we see every year at graduation. Every year at graduation, this is the thing we see. We put it on our own graduation pamphlets or on our own, like I think the Sunday bulletin during graduation week. <laughs> this is probably on it. I don't know. Uh, but you see, it on, you see it on graduation cards. You see it on, I mean, it's just all over the place because it's, and it's true. It just happens to be that's when we, that's just kind of a, it's almost become cliche during that time of year. So here it is, Jeremiah 25 and 11. You guys could probably, I'll probably all quote it by heart. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. This is incredible. So God says, after this massive nationwide butt whooping, I'm going to take you back in my arms. I am going to bless you. We are going to have conversations again. We are going to be tight. We're going to be all right. But I've got to show you some stuff first. I've got to teach you some things first. There's some things that are not right in your life that have to be worked out. And unfortunately, some people are pretty stiff-necked. Some people are pretty hard-headed. Some people don't learn the first time.
So after generations of warnings and generations of God saying, turn back, or this is going to happen, turn back, or this is going to happen, don't touch the stove, your hand's going to get burnt, please don't leave your bicycle laying in the middle of the driveway. If you don't stop texting our entire family group message with these silly gifts, you're going to lose your phone. Happened to Logan, legit. Abigail, we're on, they have Facebook Messenger for kids. Were you on it? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So we have Facebook Messenger for kids, which is actually pretty cool. It gives us real control over who they can even be connected with in Messenger. So right now we just have a few family members and a couple of their friends. Uh, and it's really neat. So Abigail, last Christmas, did a whole, for whatever family we had connected on there that she was connected with, she sent out a big Merry Christmas group text thing, right? So for some reason, a few weeks ago, Logan, probably more than that, probably four or five weeks ago, Logan sent this, like, because you... On Messenger, you can do these goofy pictures where it'll put, like, it's like the photos, it's like Snapchat, like you can put the goofy filters, whatever, make you look like a unicorn, I don't know. And so he just sends it out, you know, and one of them was him, like, whenever you open your mouth, all these poop emojis would come out. And so he posts that to this family group chat. So I posted, I said, Logan, if you don't stop posting this, I don't mind if he sends that to me, I get it. To him, it is the funniest thing in the world. And I'll laugh with him on it, and I'll be like, that was hilarious, son. I love you. You're the greatest. But when you send it to the family group chat, like, that's just probably not, that's not okay. Let's let, you know, number one, it's blowing up everybody's phones. He sends, he sent a couple, two, three a day for a little bit, for only a couple times. But I texted in the group chat. I said, Logan, if you don't stop, you're going to lose your phone. And then Abigail sent this laughing emoji because she laughs when he gets in trouble, as any good sibling would do, of course. So then, not a couple days later, he sends another one. I don't think he quite, he knew better. I think he, I really do think he knew better. I think he just kind of, he thought it was funny, so he just blasted it to the first thing on the list, which happened to be our family group chat. And so, and so I didn't even respond or nothing. As soon as he got home that day, hey, Logan, can you bring me your phone, please? He brings it to me. I said, I told you not to message anymore on the group chat. And I took it up to our bedroom, and he lost it for, I don't know, probably, gosh, probably two weeks before I, I just finally gave it back to him the other day. And what did I say to him when I gave it back to him? Please don't do that again, Logan. You know better, right? Because the first time was a warning. The second time he lost it for a number of days, right? So what was God doing to the nation of Israel? He gave them warning after warning. He told them exactly what would happen if they didn't comply. This isn't God being tyrannical. This is God saying, I know what's best for you. Worshiping idols, worshiping false gods, doing these child sacrifices and these all awful things to the God of Molech, the God of Molech or, or uh, Baal or whoever is not in your best interest. I have good plans for you. Follow after me. Be in a relationship with me. And he warned them for generations. And as a nation, obviously there's probably, unfortunately, there's probably some decent God-fearing people that got swept away with some of that. And that's unfortunate, but when we're talking about nationwide consequences, it's, it's a big deal, okay? So this was a nationwide butt whooping that they received, and, uh, and it lasted 70 years. God had a time and God had a plan for that and a reason for it lasting that long. But what happens afterwards? He says, afterwards we're going to be cool. You've, you've, you've walked through this punishment, and I was with you. Now, you realize God was with them. He said, survive and thrive survive and thrive. He never left them. He simply allowed them to go through this time of correction. Does that make sense? 
So I want to encourage you that if you're going through a rough spot in your life, if you're going through a downtime, man, I'll, number one, know that God is still with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He tells us that in his word. He will never leave us nor forsake us. When we belong to him, he belongs to us, okay? So number one, know and understand that no matter what you're going through, God is right there with you, going through the fire with you. Number two, know that God still has a good plan for your life. When I look at what Ashley has gone through, what our family has gone through over the last several months, man, I cannot tell you how encouraging it is for me when I think about the fact that God has good plans for us. Plans to prosper us and not to bring us to harm. Plans to give us hope and a future. Time coming. And here's what's great. What else does God say? God doesn't just say, hey, I'll bring you out of captivity. You'll come on home. What does he say? He, he goes over and above. He said, I will do all the good things for you that I said. I will do everything that I said I will do for you. I will take care of you. I will bless you. Uh, let me find that again. Hold on one second here. <clears throat> but I will come and do for you all the good things that I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, Lord, says the plans for good and not, and not for disaster to give you hope in the future. You'll have a relationship with me again. The, re the past will be behind us. That correction is done, and we will be one again. We will, you will be my people, and I will be your God, and we're going to be tight again. God says, but I'm not just going to bring you home. I'm going to bring you home with blessing. I'm going to bring you home into a new relationship with me. This is the guarantee that we have. This is the promise that we have from God, that even when we're going through the fire, even when we're going through rough patches in life, God will bring us home. God will never leave us nor forsake us, and he has a good plan for us. Now, I would love to be able to tell you, man, I can see that, you know, in six months, boom, 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 boom. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what God, God has for us. I don't, have, I don't have that clear line of sight. I really don't right now. I know I have some inklings. I know that we're going to have a kick-butt testimony. That's for sure. I know that. Um, I know we've had, we've had at least, I've lost count now, at least six or seven different people that have come up and said, I've had like dreams or visions of Ashley doing this of you and Ashley doing this, of me and Ashley doing this. It was so great. Let me tell you this real quick story, uh, and, then we'll, and then I'll wrap up my portion. So the nurse practitioner that works with the neurological team, the, one of the, the team that took care of Ashley when she first came in, the surgery and all the subsequent stuff, um, they, they, they did you know, all of it, the whole nine yards, an incredible team of people. Uh, one of the nurse practitioners saw because of the scriptures we had hanging up in the room or whatever, or maybe the way we were speaking as a family, also very important, by the way, uh, knew that we were believers. So she came up, and because of HIPAA, do you guys know what HIPAA is? It's a, it's a privacy thing. It's a health, health, health privacy. I don't know exactly what all the letters stand for, but it's health privacy. I mean, basically, like, if a nurse is taking care of us, like, she can't even talk about our case to her husband at home. Like, that's how strict this is. Like, it's very, very strict. Like, you can't do anything. Like, if I ask about a patient down the hall, oh, you know, gosh, what's going on with them? I mean, they can't tell me squat. Even if I don't ask for a name, like, they literally just, they just can't do it because of HIPAA. Anyway, so this nurse practitioner, her name's Lindy, uh, super nice. She comes up and she said, hey, I just want to let you know that, you know, I'll be praying for you. I really want to turn in a prayer request to my church, but I can't because of HIPAA. She couldn't even turn in a prayer request for us. And I, so I said, you know what? You have my full and complete permission. You go ahead and turn in that prayer request. As a matter of fact, I will send you a link to the emails that I've been sending out to our church family 
updating them. I said, if you'll let me do that, you know, so we exchanged numbers. I sent her that email. And uh, so we began kind of a, you know, uh, she began to like really take us to heart. I don't know how to, how to put that, but she really, you know, we got, we got into a good relationship because one night, because I had her number and I didn't want to abuse it, but I, I couldn't get a hold of the doctor because I, I go home to be with the kids for a couple hours a day, shower and change and come back to the hospital. Well, before I got back, the neurosurgeon had already been in or was asking for me. So I texted her when I got back. I said, I'm so sorry to bother you. I apologize. Is there any way you could have Dr. Mustafa give me a call because I missed him? And she, man, she, got, she didn't just text me right back. She called me and within seconds, he called me. It was just awesome. It was just God orchestrates amazing things, even in the midst of trials. Anyway, even she said, it's so weird. She came in to, to check in on Ashley one day, and she's like, I just got to tell you, I had the weirdest dream last night. I had the dream Ashley and I were doing laundry together. Like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And then she came in another day and said, I had another weird dream. Ashley and I were out on a walk together, and it was so cool. So today she texted me and said, hey, I saw you guys got discharged. That's awesome. Praise God. You know, um, just how did everything go? And I, so I kind of told her, said, you know, last night went really well. She did really well. She didn't sleep the greatest, but overall handled the busy day of coming home and the kids and the neighbor kids and we tried to keep it at bay as best we could you know but the neighbor kids were excited to see her home and so they came up to say hi to her we're chilling on the front porch it was the most gorgeous evening last night and so uh, but I said you know overall it went super well like she handled it all so so well and um, and I said uh, and so today's been a big adjustment it's been a big adjustment today this first full day of home of me being there with her trying to work from home but also trying to help her out and take care of her uh, and I said, however, if you ever want to do, come over and do laundry, you're more than welcome. And so she, you know, she got a big kick out of that or whatever. But it's just amazing. It's amazing that how God can work even through this stuff, even through these really low times and these times when it would be so easy to just turn away from it all because what the heck is it all for if this is going to happen in my life? We were never, ever promised a smooth sailing life, ever. And that is not in God's word. We were promised and have been promised and are promised that God is with us. And that is more important than you could possibly imagine. As you go through your lives, you're going to hit bumps, you're going to hit low times, you're going to, there may be a time when you need correcting, just like Israel needed correcting. And, but God's with you. He's with you and he loves you. So we're going to have a really cool testimony when this is all said and done. And uh, among other things, that we, I believe we've been able to really touch, you know, between uh, our family and everything and our interactions at the hospital um, I believe we've been really able to touch some people with our faith. I believe in my heart that we have. In fact, even her neurosurgeon, who's a Muslim, an incredible, an incredible guy, uh, but he's a Muslim, he happened to be fasting. He was fasting for Ramadan, I think it was, for her surgery. And when her surgery came on, it's when he would end his fast, and he couldn't because he's in the middle of surgery. So he's literally fasting all the way up to Ashley's surgery. Absolutely incredible. But I told him, uh, we ran into the other day before we left the hospital and, ch and chatted with him for a minute. And I said, now, I want you to know that when Ashley's ready to get back to church and we, you know, we get up to give our testimony or whatever we end up doing, I said, I'm going to invite you. And he said he'd come. He'd come to church. So I'm super stoked, you know. And I'm not saying that he's going to come up and it's going to be this giant come to Jesus moment and trans, you know, like, but seeds are planted. And I believe that in my heart. Seeds are planted. Even when you're going through a rough time, God can be using that in so many ways. Okay, so that's, that's, that's what I had for you to for tonight. So I apologize. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's Jeremiah 29. I encourage you to read the entire book of Jeremiah. There will be a quiz next week. Joking, no quiz. Uh, but next week, uh, just a quick reminder before I bring Kyle and, and, uh, and Keely up. 
next week is welcome night. So bring some friends. Uh, it'll be fun. We'll have a good time. I will do my best to remember cake or some kind of special treat, and uh, and uh, it'll just be great. We'll be it'll be really good. So I'm excited about it. But without further ado, and before we pray for them both, or pray for Keely, we already prayed for you and your brother. Before we pray for Keely and send them out, uh, Kyle, come on up here and, and share share something. Oh, sorry. Moral support. Is that it? <laughs> it would have been nice if Trevor went first. He probably said I'd birthright, so it would be my job. So. All right, well, you know, my name's Kyle Dillman and everything. Uh, we get that finale all the way. Uh, but so I got a text this morning when I got to the office, and it said, yeah, and it said, hey, you coming tonight? <laughs> You're going to have to give a 10-minute or whatever testimony. It was insinuated. And so, but I said yes, and I had to go to Heartbeat. And actually, I remember when I was, just got here. So it was like sixth grade, going on seventh, I think. And it was from Super Church. And I don't remember if it was this year or the next one. But I remember seeing someone come up here and talk about their life when they were leaving. And I thought, well, what would I say? And, uh, well, long story short, so many years. Now I'm here. And my perspective changed over the years. So when I was in super church is when I became a Christian and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior at the age of seven. And how can a seven-year-old make that decision? Uh, I can tell you they can because... Accepting Jesus will change your life, and it did. Uh, not a lot. I still went home and did wrong things. You can ask my parents. Uh, but it got better, and it's been getting better ever since because we were troublemakers. That's all I'm going to tell you. No, no. Uh, but I'd say we've gotten better, and I know I wouldn't be where I am today without that. And so, but what I was going to leave you guys with uh, is... Don't take life for granted and make room for God. And it's going to get stressful. <laughs> I started college here really recently, and it is very stressful. And this is what I'm going to say. You will probably at one point lose track of God for at least an hour. I don't know how long because that's how busy you get. And I always thought, oh, that can't, that can't happen to me. My whole life, I've never been busy before. But it does very quickly. And I've heard, I, that's what prompted this. I've had years of people telling me this before they left, senior year. I've had like seven or eight, at least, say this thing. Oh, it's quick, it's quick, it's quick. No, it is faster than quick. I'm fast. It is faster than me. I can't keep up with it. Life gets stressful. We we're talking about adulthood in our English class. That's one of the big things in transitioning to adulthood is it gets quicker and you get responsibilities. So try to take it as slow as possible in your walk with God. Like slow down, not take it slow in your walk, but slow down for at least a little bit because it'll save you a lot of trouble and you'll make it through.
Okay, I had nothing. I had nothing meaningful. That made sense. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even remember what I wrote down. These are just points, and they're kind of pointless, ironically. I guess this is kind of mostly more about the leaders in the church, in, in the youth room. But this first point basically makes a note that I've been here since I was 12, but it was a few weeks before I turned 13, so it was kind of almost 13? I don't know. So now I just feel really sad. <laughs> anyway, but that being said, when I got in at such an early age, it, um, I mean, I can say all of the leaders and most of the students have seen me go through some weird phases. <laughs> Such as edgy and weeb and edgy weeb. <laughs> and, yeah, something like that. I don't know. There's dramatic. I don't know. And they also have seen me cry over the stupidest stuff that I have initially gotten myself into. Example, drowning. <laughs> and turkey run. I remember it too. It was not fun. <laughs> I was, it was traumatic. I know there was one Dillman. I, I don't know if, was it you? I, don't, I know, I remember a Dillman grabbed my arm and pulled me out. They were my hero for the day. I don't know if it was you or not. You can say it was you if you want, because I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know. And then this, and then these, stu these stupid points, they jump into my early life that had something about God in it, but I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, I did get saved in super church also, but I do not remember how old I was. I feel bad about that because everyone's like, remember your save date, it's like your birthday, except your rebirth day. And I don't remember when year that was either. One thing I do remember though is uh, we had a love challenge in super church, which was basically 1 Corinthians um, passage about love. And I remember all of that because I had to remember it faster because I had to go off to get heart surgery before we actually could do any of that. And that's the thing, though, is that that surgery actually was a crisis-averted uh, thing where God happened to show some doctors that my heart was in danger, I guess. It, it had a hole in it. And when they fixed it, I exploded in size and strength. I was seven at the time. And I had been really tiny. But that was a thing from God because they weren't even looking for that. <laughs> and if they hadn't found that, I'd probably be dead by now. <laughs> But, or maybe not, he would have saved me in another way. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Anyway. Um, what does this go to? Anyway, back to the leaders, though. I wanted to thank all of the leaders who took the time to point me in the right direction, even if I didn't listen half the time. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm so glad to have been a part of this youth group, because, I mean, Matt was in it as a student, right? And Scott was the teacher. And I'm just really glad to be a part of this, and it was fun. And I'm not rushing off to college yet. I have no idea. Like Matt said, our schedule is weird, so I'm technically not graduating yet. But I'm old enough that I should be done here anyway. Um, let's see. What else do you want me to talk about? I'm not really sure. <laughs> I mean, the rest of this is just more like weird stuff that I might be doing in the future. Okay, okay. So this says that God has given me talents that I certainly do use, but I'm not sure what they will ultimately be used to do in the long run. Uh, it says, 
They may not be traditional talents or hobbies, but I can't tell you how many times a grown, sophisticated adult has asked me what I plan to do with my life, and my answer of cartoons <laughs> has reduced the friendly smile on their faces to a face that says, what kind of childish barnyard were you raised in, usually accompanied with a verbal, okay, why? And I can name names, but I won't. <laughs> and then another thing is, that got, especially in recent weeks when uh, jo was Joab, is that the name of the man from China? Okay, well God, it, and shortly before that, God has revealed some things that I will be a part of, probably, to me and my family and other ministers, which would be Joab, it says something about Asia and specifically China. I don't know, it's, it's a lot. But like Joab said, he felt like he had to pray for us when we went up to talk about something. And uh, he's also, God has also given me a heart for children and has shown me how really, 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 really important it is to raise them with the right words, media, and love. Especially because, I mean, I work at a daycare and uh, you look at the kids and they're really sweet, but then you see their bad habits and then you look at their parents and you're like, mm, no wonder. <laughs> anyway, so I honestly am not sure what I'm going to do next, but I know it will be great. And youth group was definitely a big part and definitely guided me out of those weird phases which were not good and I, I don't know <laughs> so. but anyway one thing I really wanted to do before I leave is I wanted to thank Matt Kreider <laughs> for leading us this says continuing to lead us even amongst all of the drama and the trauma <laughs> and I mean even our drama just our, it's, a, it's exhausting watching some of it sometimes. I don't know. There's, there's, and I'm only watching. I know, but thank you so much for that. And even all the other leaders who have gone through all this stuff. So children, please respect your leaders. <laughs> they have a lot to deal with, especially in their own lives. And then they, they have us too. So, I mean, that wasn't, there you go. It wasn't spectacular, but there were my points. <laughs> thank you. Hey, I want you guys to stand up. Worship team, you guys can come on up. We're going to pray over Keely. Uh, we already prayed over Kyle and Trevor, so Kyle, you can't feel left out. Uh, but we're going to pray over Keely real quick. So I want everybody to gather on Keely. Step up right in the middle here. All right, come on in, guys. Gather in. We're going to pray over Keely. And, uh... <laughs> hey, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much uh, for Keely. We thank you, Father God, for the opportunity that we have had to have her in our youth group and have her part of this youth family and this church family. Lord, we know you have awesome plans for her life. We are excited to see those plans unfold as she continues to draw closer to you and to dig in deeper in her relationship with you, Father God. We know that you have given her talents and gifts and skills and abilities. And Father, we just ask that she would completely give those over to you as you lead her on in this next season of life. Lord, we are so excited to see that. And we're excited to see it in Kyle and Trevor as well. And we are so excited, Father God, for the opportunity that we've had to be together as a youth family and to have to be able to pour into to their lives just by the relationships that we've had, Lord. And we are excited and thankful for that. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. 
Amen. Amen.